Thank you for joining us on the LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host today, Rebecca, and I'm here with Pam Truscott to continue our discussion on trauma-informed care. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm glad to be here. Pam, in part one of this podcast, you talked about what trauma-informed care is, how to reduce re-traumatization, and the forthcoming of CMS's enforcement of F-699, and the implication that facilities should assess admitted residents with a trauma-informed care screening tool by November 28th of this year. The first question I think we need to address now is where should facilities turn if they aren't sure about how to get started on a trauma-informed care screening tool? That's a great question, Rebecca. One of the best resources is through the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, National Center for PTSD. You can find more information about PTSD, including assessments and screening tools, through their website, www.ptsd.va.gov. Another excellent resource is through the American Psychological Association. A quick search for PTSD, PTSD assessment instruments, or PTSD guidelines on their website, apa.org, will provide you with some really great resources and assessments. These two websites can also be helpful when you are looking for education and ways to meet the needs identified in your facility assessment. Okay, wait, you just mentioned the facility assessment. How does that play into all of this? Well, Rebecca, As your facility census changes and evolves, so must the education, competencies, and number of staff. Basically, as the number and type of trauma, PTSD, or behavioral health residents increase or change, so must the needs of your facility. For example, if you have a moderate to high population of trauma and PTSD residents, then in order to meet their needs, your staff should be well-versed in trigger reduction, environmental modification, and de-escalation techniques. To help you plan for these changes, your long-term care facility may want to call on the assistance of the Quality Assurance and Performance Improvement QAPI Committee to help identify areas for consideration or improvement. Here's a possible option. Ask the QAPI committee to formulate a subcommittee that is responsible for identifying trauma and or PTSD residents, education, and action steps. Ask the subcommittee to do a review and revision of current policies and procedures related to this area, including a review and revision of the facility assessment to reflect the revised or new care and service protocols. Then ask them to identify areas for staff education, training, competency, the incorporation of community partners, and the development of new services. Finally, ask the subcommittee to develop QAPI tools and systems for ongoing monitoring of the process. However, doing this process only once just won't be enough. Meet with the subcommittee on an ongoing basis, at least yearly, to ensure monitoring and supervision continue and to reevaluate your facility's needs. That's some great advice, Pam. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Onboarding a new MDS coordinator or a new DON, let ANAC and AADNS help. We offer comprehensive online training programs developed specifically for the new MDS coordinator or the new DON. Learn more about ANAC MDS Essentials at anac.org backslash education and more about AADNS DNS Fundamentals 
at aadns-ltc.org backslash education. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Pam Truscott about trauma-informed care. Pam, it sounds like facilities will need to adapt by boosting staff competency and plan for more individualized care. Is there anything else that facilities should be thinking about? You're absolutely right. CMS is focusing more on individualized care plans and ensuring staff are properly trained and competent to care for the residents who reside in the facility setting. It is extremely important to remember that trauma is individualized. Everyone experiences stressors and life events differently. The past matters and can influence today and tomorrow. One size does not fit all. Therefore, it is so important that facilities understand that residents may be experiencing or reliving the impact of trauma, regardless of how long ago the trauma happened. If a resident is exhibiting negative behaviors or is demonstrating signs of impending escalation in negative behaviors, these need to be seen through the lens of trauma and resilience. Hold on, you mentioned resilience. What does resilience mean for the resident? Another great question, Rebecca. Resilience is the ability to return to being healthy and hopeful after bad things happen. This is an important goal for facilities and team members to keep in mind. They will be tasked with trying to help residents who have suffered trauma and PTSD to gain some semblance of resilience. Resilience, like trauma, is highly individualized, which means that everyone copes differently. By getting to know the residents, including their individual resources and strengths, team members can help residents grow their resilience. Team members should know and understand that what works for one resident may not work for another. Although every resident copes differently, one thing that has been proven to help all trauma and PTSD residents is to keep social interactions positive and joyful. By promoting positive engagement among residents, families, and staff, you can create an environment where resilience is more likely to grow. As a summary, here's what facilities can do now to prepare for trauma-informed care regulations. Know the individuals that you care for, including their histories, mental health, coping mechanisms, preferences, and ways they cultivate resilience. Provide opportunities for residents, families, staff, and the entire facility to learn about trauma. Identify the strengths of residents, families, staff, and the facility and build upon those strengths. Build partnerships with community-based resources and mental health professionals. And finally, promote positive engagement among residents, families, and staff. Thank you so much, Pam. This information is very helpful to know as we prepare for the requirements of participation, phase three, taking effect on November 28th of this year. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. For more updates on regulation requirements and changes, subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast. Thank you.